We have two scriptures for today. The first is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, and this is uh, this contains uh, some of the more famous uh, verses. So I think there'll be at least a part of this that's very familiar to you. Saint Paul writes, "Now before faith came." We were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. Here ends the first reading. Our gospel for today comes from Luke's gospel, the eighth chapter, and this is just a really strange incident um, in, uh, in Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus and the disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And the country of the Gerasenes was opposite Galilee, not only geographically, but also religiously. And that's important. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, And he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times... The unclean spirit had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it, in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So the man went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Here ends the reading. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Those foreigners, those non-Jews, the Gerasenes, they were managing pretty well. Thank you very much. They had their herds of pigs. They had plenty to eat, plenty to sell, ham, bacon, pork shoulder, pig's knuckles. They also had a crazy guy, a man possessed by demons. He caused all kinds of problems. If something was vandalized or broken, it was obvious who did it. Even if he wasn't the one who actually did it. Then the other folks who did cause the damage were kind of glad because they didn't have to take blame for anything. So, even though he was a real bother to the town, running around naked, saying words no one could understand, not bothering to clean himself, living in the cemetery, breaking out of jail, he served a good purpose in the community. The community was able to manage all of their broken relationships because they could blame it on him. Until that Jew, Jesus, came to town. As soon as the demons and the man saw Jesus, they were afraid. Those powers of evil recognized Jesus. They even named Jesus as Son of the Most High God. Even Jesus' disciples hadn't called him that yet. They weren't close to calling him that. Then came the start of much begging. The demons begged Jesus not to torment them begged him not to order them into the abyss, but instead, oh, just put us in the pigs. And Jesus was gracious, even to the demons. He let them go into the pigs. But it didn't matter if the demons 
were in a man or if they were in pigs, they were still demons. And they threw themselves off the cliff into the lake and died. Of course, the swine herders freaked out about this. So they went to tell everyone about it. Imagine friends, family, probably some of those folks who had invested in the previously lucrative herds of pigs. When everyone made it back to Jesus, they saw the crazy man again. Only this time, he was wearing clothes. And he was normal. He was speaking normally. He was behaving normally. He was sitting quietly by Jesus. That was when they were afraid. Not only had they lost their source of income, all those pigs, they had lost the person they could blame when anything went wrong. His life was better. Theirs became a lot more complicated. Managing their brokenness wouldn't be so easy. So they begged Jesus to leave. Just go. You've done enough damage here, Jesus. For grace can do great damage, especially to the status quo. The whole thing about Jesus is God getting rid of the status quo. In Jesus, God invaded our human space, mortal life on earth. He lived and died and lived again. That is not supposed to happen. You know, there's supposed to be a border between heaven and earth. Maybe the border goes this way. God stays on God's side. We stay on our side. We are managing quite well. Thank you very much. Except, of course, when we aren't managing well, which God knew, which we know in our more honest moments. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he reminded them that before Christ, God had instituted laws to keep us in line, to manage us because we needed managing. Then Paul says, since Christ came, the law is not the boss of us. Grace is. Or perhaps grace is not the boss of us. It is not grace's way to be a boss. But grace is the way of life for us. Grace is what we wear. Grace is our identity. Like being a normal person was the identity of that man after the demons left him. 
Paul goes on to talk about identity. No longer Jew or Greek, which were the great divisions between the ins and the outs in Jesus' time and Paul's time. No longer slave or free, which sadly continues to be a great division even in our time of the powerful over the powerless. No longer male and female, another power division. In Christ Jesus, we are all the same, Paul declared. That is an overturning of the status quo. In other words, a three-year-old in an ICE detention camp deserves the same amount of grace and blessing as does Franklin Graham. And not only are the children in ICE detention camps the same as any famous privileged Christian, Paul says that they and we are all heirs of Christ. If we, who are one in Christ, are heirs of Christ, then we have everything that Jesus had. We have God's love fully. We trust that love even when we have not acted on earth as God would have us act in heaven. God will forgive. God will not hold it against us. We might hold it against ourselves, but God doesn't even want us to do that. God desires us to experience complete grace and love. Whatever form grace and love takes, which can include dignity, clothing, a decent place to live, all that Jesus gave the demon-possessed man. God desires us to live that grace and love also. God doesn't merely want us to manage our lives. God wants us to grace-fill our lives. For love to be our ultimate value. Not blaming migrants or other demons for our economic problems or crime problems. God desires us to be so full of God's full love that, of course, we will show love and care to the mentally ill, to immigrants, to those we've been taught to call thugs. Jesus saw the demons of division the demons of the powerful over the powerless. And Jesus upended that status quo. Jesus upends every status quo. For managing is not enough for God's best gift. But we are humans, and we do have to manage at times.
These past few months, I've been managing dozens of boxes. I don't know, maybe it's hundreds. And a whole lot of committee responsibilities. And a rather large amount of details related to selling my house and moving, as well as finishing up here at Gloria Day. I have not managed it all well. I have dropped some precious items, and I'm not talking about glass. I've been abrupt and unkind. The status quo of a sinner. Fortunately, grace pushed its way into all my managing. Thanks to all of you who have been praying for me, especially on Friday. Am I right, Doris? Yes. So I claim my inheritance of God's grace. I claim my inheritance of grace every day, often several times a day, and several times during that room at the realtor's office. I claim that inheritance of grace and live it. And you too need to claim your inheritance of grace and live it so that all may experience the complete love of God. It is so much more than the status quo. Let it be so. Amen.